to down to down to yeah um, missed and peeved missed and peeved that's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad don't be missed and peeved miffed don't be miffed and peeved it's a real it's a real it's a real it's a real one I don't use it it's your vocab down to down yes this is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com. We're featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? I'm wearing, I'm almost wearing my pajama because it's really late here in Italy, but uh, we have to discuss the biggest trade in Thunder history, probably. It, it is huge. I can't believe that it finally happened. And, yeah. it, and it's... It's can I even can I say it? Can I say the words? Because it just feels so yes. good to say the words. Dakari yes. Johnson has been traded to the Orlando Magic, <laughs> and it's it is just a celebration. I was I was at a conference in the middle of this conference, and I see my phone just starts blowing up with the Dakari news, and it just I am just elated about Dakari Johnson <laughs> not being on this roster anymore. Yeah, and his tenure as a Magic lasted for like 48 hours i know know. (laughs) he was just traded so this morning we were supposed to do a podcast this morning super early for me and things have gone awry it's not has nothing to do with having a baby i know a lot of you i put out on twitter yesterday you know things will change a little bit here a little in uh in a few weeks or really this week because um my wife and i are having our third son and so that wasn't why, but kind of life happened this morning. And so, and Dakari is back in the Western Conference. He was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies today. I thought that someone reported that he was going to be waived by the Magic, but I guess they found some value in trading Dakari. And I kind of, it's kind of funny to me because Dakari is kind of G League Mark Gasol. And so there he goes <laughs> on to Memphis. Yeah, I mean, uh, Memphis probably wants to play Marcus All and um, and Jackson together, mm-hmm. uh, and so it makes sense to have like a third body that you can put eventually um, there uh, when like either Mark rests or something like that. But Orlando actually paid um, a second rounder plus the carry to get um, the player they want. And who was like, it again? Uh, I forgot. Uh, it's Jerome Martin. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerome Martin. Basically, basically um, the Grizzlies did it because it saves a bunch of money. Yeah. And because Martin can uh, basically has incentives uh, that are not extremely unlikely. And well, Orlando apparently liked him enough to, to pay a highly protected, I think, second rounder. Huh. That's a weird deal. I mean, it's a very, it's a very non-impactful deal, but it's just kind of a weird one. Yeah, no, it was, sorry, it was not the second round. It was a former second rounder. Oh, okay. uh, So they're just, uh, yeah, yeah. They're just throwing stuff around right now. But anyways, the Thunder are going to have, theoretically going to have a roster spot now to use. And, you know, I don't know if they feel the, if the Thunder feel the same way that I do or that you do about some of these guys in the summer league. But 
I just kind of looked at a lot of the wings there and thought, you know, why not? Like, why not try those? And I, and I love the way that the end of the Thunder Bench is shaping up because now it is basically filled with wing guys that have potential and it's, mm-hmm. and is one of them going to work out? No idea. Maybe, maybe none of them do, but that's, I think that's how most teams that need wings should fill out the end of their roster is just with these guys. Let's take a flyer on four guys that have mm-hmm. that could have some value that can defend that could maybe hit a three here and there let's see what they can do because last year you had these wasted roster spots you had singler you had collison you had dakari uh the two ways i didn't you know daniel hamilton on a two-way was kind of a waste waste of spot to me uh dozier looks looked pretty good in summer league and so i think that he could be yes. a, a part of that you know core at the end of the bench but last year you had four spots that you knew one you're not going to play them and two, like none of them have a future in the NBA. And so I love the way that they're filling out the roster now. Yeah. And also like with the Robertson injury, like you basically had 10 players um, to, to move. Like you have five roster spots that you were not using. Um, and so like, I think that um, there are plenty of moves still to come um, in terms of signings and like maybe players that uh, will be moved. Yeah. I think that Singler is on the move or um, it will be whipped and stretched. Mm-hmm. But also the situation of Abrinas, like we discussed in private, I think that since he is extension eligible in uh, October, if he doesn't sign that, I think they will try to get value. I really do. Yeah. Like, the, the fit with Donovan is not great. Uh, we all know that. When he plays for like a bunch of games, he shows uh, the talent that he has. Uh, against Utah, it was more than solid. So I think that if they can sign him to a value deal, like the one that McDermott signed, for example, yeah, uh, they will likely keep him. And if that doesn't happen, then the roster spots, the, the open roster spots, will be basically a training camp fight between everyone uh in the pipeline like diallo um even um deontay burton mm-hmm. uh, like all the guys there has a chance to make the roster because i think they will likely have 14 players um but if you move singler then you have two uh open spots that you need to fill so mm-hmm. at least two yeah and i i think that they well i mean yeah at least two and they could be up to three spots yes. that they could have uh to fill in training camp and they can make deontay burton a guaranteed contract whenever they want yes, they with, without consequence and so like don't be worried if if deontay burton shows out and i and i here's my gut feeling on this is that they're just going to go into training camp and say hey listen you group over there show us what you got <laughs> you know yes and let's let's see who wants to make the roster because we have three spots open, Kyle Singler. I, I don't think that Kyle Singler will be come September first. I don't think Kyle Singler will be on this roster, and so I think that they're going to find a way to move him. Are they going to bring in another player? I don't know. Are they going to bring back Corey Brewer or somebody like that? I really doubt it. I just think that they're going to want some cheap young wing options, uh, and kind of look ahead for the first time in you know a few years, be able to look ahead a little bit and say who's who's going to work out. And so I think it's a great opportunity for the Thunder and for all of these players. But um, 
they can make Deontay Burton. If he shows out and he's really good and he's the best of all those guys, boom, he's a guaranteed roster spot. And then they can sign another two-way guy. They'll be able to sign two of them at no consequence. Mm-hmm. You can move those guys in and out all you want all year. And I know it's it's just kind of a new concept because it was just the first year it was last year to have these two-way contracts, but the Thunder just kept the guys that had on it and didn't mess around with them. But there were a lot of teams that messed around with those spots and let guys go and sign new guys. And so that's that can happen. So uh, if I, I like Deontay Burton, maybe maybe I'm you know going overboard because of the way he played in Summer League, which is entirely possible. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Diallo, if they do, in fact, leave three spots open with Singler gone, they have three spots that are open i just wouldn't be surprised to see burton and diallo and then i don't know who else yeah it's kind of a coin toss for the other guys but i wouldn't be surprised to see those guys make the roster i'd like to thank andy shows and custer for sponsoring today's show i don't know about you but where i live it's hot it's been so hot we were like 110 the other day and the only thing that i really wanted was an andy's frozen custard It's made fresh hour by hour. You can watch it being made through the window. And it's just seriously so good. My favorite is obviously, if you've been listening, it's the blackberry concrete, fresh blackberries blended in to their vanilla frozen custard. It's just so good. I'm I'm just serious, guys. You got to go try it. If you haven't done it yet, you got to go now. It's available for a limited time. So go try that out. If you like a banana split they have a really good one if you like any kind of like a heath concrete it's delicious oreo uh it's just just a great great place to get frozen custard and to cool down in this hot summer weather they have locations around the oklahoma city metro area in kansas texas uh, tennessee florida just in all areas that i know we have listeners so please Support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. Yeah, I think they will likely be, as again, at 14, just because it makes sense to keep like, like even more flexibility for yeah. uh, February uh, so that you don't have to waive someone. Uh, 14 is more than enough sure. um, for uh, for an NBA roster. Like you act like the actual rotation can be 11, uh, sometimes 12. Well, Billy, um, always 11, maybe 12. Um, so it makes sense to have 14 players, especially if you have tax concerns. Yeah, and especially now that you have, like like I mentioned, players that you believe can play in games and that can come Mm -hmm. in and serve a purpose rather than having the guys that sat on the end of the bench last year. I know Collison came in and played one game that was really fun, but he's just not a guy you were counting on a lot. You guys know how I felt about Dakari. I didn't feel like he was a guy that you could really count on, but now I think that they're in a good spot having three point guards. I think he's really important. That's something the Thunder didn't have last year. I think that's kind of important to have. They have a true backup center. They also have the Jeremy Grant option. They just have a lot there to work with. And you have all these wings that on any given night, is TLC going to be the best player? Maybe he is. Is it going to be Abrinas? Is it going to be Ferguson? Is it going to be who who knows? But they just have a lot to play with. And you know that uh, Billy is probably salivating at the idea because he loves to tinker with lineups so much. He's like, I, <laughs> there's like a thousand things you could do with this roster. And so uh, it's pretty exciting. We haven't had a chance to talk about the, the Schroeder Jason waterfalls or TLC trade yet. And so uh, I want to hear your 
kind of your instant reaction when you heard about it? What was your what was your first thought? Well, I was I was basically ready to the uh, to the idea because I we, we discussed it be, even before the rumors, just as a possibility. Right. Because like the trade with Atlanta when they signed Jeremy Lin, uh, we had the idea. Well, maybe they will move further with he will be actually available uh, for a mellow trade. And like the main point that I made last season about the struggles of OKC was the, ne- the need to play in the same way when Russ is in or is out. And to me, there are a few players uh, available better than Shooter in trying to emulate that. So he's, he's not efficient. He's not very efficient. So it's, Russell Westbrook also in that sense, uh, but he can really uh, create buckets for yeah. himself and for the others. He's a good passer, like he's above average. Uh, I would say is like in the right half uh, in terms of like if you take the fifteen, uh, the, the thirty uh, starting point guards. I think he's above average, and and so he can make uh, the second unit work, and that was the main problem. Uh, of the Thunder last season. They played a lot of uh, crappy units uh, with Paul George as and Felton playing like uh, below 100 in, in pace and with no offensive efficiency. I really think that Schroeder can help. Obviously, obviously, you have to down like the the possible problems like um, he he defeat with him and Russ on the court is not ideal. Uh, he can be it can lead to the same conclusion as the one that we had with Reggie because there are issues uh, in terms of behavior. But if you want to, to, to improve, to really improve um, last year's thunder, you have to start from a point guard in the second unit and a scorer, a passer that can eventually move the ball even with Russ on the floor. Yeah, I think, I think it's a really, I think it could be a seamless fit. As long as everyone's ego is in check. And really, I just mean Schroeder's ego if it's in check and he's willing to accept that role. So I, I think that it's really easy to put the puzzle pieces together as Westbrook starts, Schroeder is the backup. How do we feel about them playing together? I think that's where the fit's like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what, what are your, what are your thoughts? You probably looked at all the numbers, but what are your what are your overall thoughts on them playing together? Because they're going to play together. Schroeder is, what is he, the fourth, fifth, or sixth best player on this team? And you can't, if yeah. you're the fifth best player on the team, you got to you're going to play more than twenty minutes a game, you know, or even twelve minutes a game, whatever it is that Russell's going to sit. You're going to play a lot, and so how do you feel about them playing together, and how do you see that working? Well, the pipe dream would be um, that Schroeder can actually uh, push Russell on doing stuff that he's not accustomed to do, but he will be very good at, which means uh, which means like screening and spot up shooting. Not every possession, but a few possessions here and there. Mm-hmm. And I know that that Schroeder had a terrible, terrible season shooting the ball, like. But if you look at his numbers, like his spot-up numbers, he's not bad. He's not a good you know, shooter by any uh, sort of imagination. But he's like a 33, 34, 35 uh, spot-up shooter for his career. That's enough. Um, like, if he's able to, to, to shoot at that clip, I don't think there are real issues offensively. Uh, mainly because, again, shooter can create with the ball. 
you can you can put Russ in the first pick and roll, then move the ball, then Russ goes to a spot up position like either in uh, on the weak side, and then you let Schroeder create, and you have like no one will leave Russell Westbrook. No one. Right. Uh, they will probably try to 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 leave Schroeder. That's why uh, a, a, like a pick and roll or isolation of Russell Westbrook will not work um, as good as the action, like the, the, the secondary action uh, with, with Schroeder as an handler. Um, but there are ways to make it work. Russ has to work on that. And that is the, the thing that can make it, can make the fit uh, better than, than the one that we have today on paper. And another factor is how Jeremy Grant is going to shoot the ball. Because yeah. that is crucial. Because like Schroeder and Russ, as a, as a duo on defense, creates problems. Um, I think the shooter has like potential to be decent in terms of well, slightly below average. Let's put it this way. Uh, but if they are not committed, they can be dangerous together. So you have to put defenders on the floor, and Jeremy Grant is key there because if he can stay on the court with Stephen and Paul George, then you have a very good closing lineup. Uh, if he can stay on the court because he can't shoot, then I think there is a problem. Yeah, that is an issue. And looking at Schroeder's catch and shoot numbers, it's hard to say Schroeder and shooter in the same sentence over and over again. Yeah. I found that out over the last weekend. Um, so last season, 28% on catch and shoots, really bad. 16-17, he was 39.6% on catch and shoot. 15-16, he was 38.3. And yeah. then 14-15, which is the year that the Hawks won all those games, he was 31.9, so not great. But so I think what I'm just trying to say is I think he's better than what he showed last year. And it's just hard to it's hard to gauge what kind of a player he is just by looking at last year. You're on this abysmal Hawks team. He has, he's miserable. He to the point where he is not fun to be around on the team <laughs> and to the point where the Hawks are ready to just get rid of him. I mean they got mm-hmm. very low value actually negative value back you know you they get the pick great but it's a it's a protected pick and you have to take on all this salary in order to get off a shooter's salary and it's just it's not a great it was not a good situation for him and Mm -hmm. so you just have to wonder how much that plays into it i'm not saying that he's immediately going to come in and just shoot lights out but I think that he could be a little bit better than what he showed last year, probably on both ends. And defensively, that's a question that people have had too, is that you move from basically Cantor to Mello to Schroeder, and all three of them have reputations of just not being able to defend. And we've, and we've seen that Cantor couldn't play in the playoffs because he couldn't defend that Mello couldn't play in the playoffs because he couldn't defend. Now, is Schroeder going to be another one of those guys? I think it was at Pepsi United that asked that question. It's a good question because, you know, I I tend to think that he will be able to play more than those other guys could just because I think that creation at that position is going to be really vital. And maybe he doesn't play in closing lineups because he's not big enough to defend any of the wings that are out there or there's just not a place to hide him. But... I think that he can play that 20 minutes and it'd be very valuable. But where do, where do you stand on that? Well, uh, let's put it this way. How many two ways player, like above average two ways player comes off the bench? 
like not many. It's extremely hard. Like well, yes, but Iguodala is not like like he's good offensively because he passed the ball. Yeah, but he's not like if you like it's not like a great offensive player uh, in terms of uh, scoring production. He's basically a spot up shooter for for them, and he's not really great at spotting up. The 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 value that he adds is a he's a great defender. B he can pass the ball. Um, so, but but as you said, one of the like the top team and probably the best bench player. Um, maybe, mm, I, I don't know who will start from off the bench in, in right. Boston next season. Sure. So there are, it's, it's really rare that you can find a guy uh, that comes off the bench and he's good at both because it will start. That, that's, that's plain and simple. So um, like, I think, and I hope that will be easier to sit shoulder uh, in the closing minutes uh, because Melo just you, you couldn't sit him full stop so you had to play him well he wouldn't even come off the bench no and, exactly yeah so I think that if you need like if you play Houston or Golden State you cannot play him um, like either he like transform himself in a in a, like an average defender and then you may think to play him but against those teams like Robertson will be on the floor Paul George will be on the floor Russ will be on the floor uh, and probably Ad- Adams and Grant. So, or like some sort of... You mean uh, he won't be bad. on the floor closing the game? That's what you mean? Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah. Like against those teams, you want your versatile, uh, great defenders plus your best player. And so it will be hard for him to to demand a roster spot, like um, not a roster spot, a closing lineup spot mm-hmm. uh, because you have to play defense. And so... I think that Billy has some kind of leverage to say, well, either you play defense and then I can play you instead of Robertson maybe or or Grant, or you just play your regular 20 minutes and you help us with the, with the bench unit and you play yeah. some minutes some minutes with Russ. I think it will be easier. Like with Ennis, it was not a problem. Like he never closed the game and he was okay with it. Yeah. He was great in the 20 minutes that he played and probably Shooter can play like 20, 25 and full stop. So um, probably we should we should there will be something in between uh, because I don't think it's easy, as easy as Ennis to be seated. Um, yeah. But you you may want to like uh, give him a chance uh, if he plays defense. Great. Yeah, and he's a crazy competitor and he wants yeah. to win. And so he hasn't been in a winning situation since he was coming off the bench for the Hawks and. You know, he's had the spotlight. He's been the starting point guard for the Hawks for years now. He got paid. He's kind of had all of that. And then at the end of it, he's just like feels empty because the team isn't winning. And so Mm -hmm. now he gets to come to OKC. This team has a ton of potential. I know there's going to be a lot of people that look at the Thunder and say, yeah, they're really not that much better than they were last year. Really? Are they? And, And I just don't think that those people understand it. And, and one thing that you will come to understand more and more as there's just more media voices out there, there's people that can take, there's people that like Royce and you know, the, the guys at the Oklahoma and everybody that that's their job is to study the Oklahoma city thunder. But when you go to these national guys, they, they may have some good opinions. I think Zach Lowe is probably the most balanced guy out there, but it's really hard to know the whole league inside and out. And so I would probably look to those guys and trust their opinions more on this. And I think this Thunder team has just really improved. And so 
Uh, and Schroeder, I think he's, I think he's going to mesh in well. I really don't think there's going to be a lot of problems. I think the Thunder have done really well with mitigating problems like that. I think the Reggie Jackson one came from within. Mm-hmm. That he saw, he this is kind of like the inverse Reggie Jackson in a way because Reggie saw like I, I I can be a starting point guard. In fact, I think I can be one of the best point guards out there. And now, if you like talk to him, I know he's had injury problems, but I think that he would probably be like, yeah, I mean, maybe my better role would be in OKC. I don't know if he'd say that, but maybe if you put him on Truth Serum, he'd say that. And Schroeder's coming at it in the opposite. He's already had that starting spot. He's seen what it's like to be the starting point guard and knows what that's like. Even in the Eastern Conference, that team was terrible last year. They were awful. And so yeah. he's coming in with a fresh perspective. And I, I just think it's going to work. I think it's going to be just fine. I think the Thunder have, have shown time and time again that they have the infrastructure in place to deal with players that people think are tough to deal with. I mean, look at Cantor. I mean, the dude is on right now. He's on a media tour for, for Russell Westbrook is what it feels like to talk to Colin Cowherd and all these people that think that Russell's, you know, not a helpful or good player. And he's letting them know the truth. And that was a guy that was disliked in Utah was sold, was said he was not good for the locker room. And this dude was nothing but great for OKC. Didn't complain once because they had to sit him. He didn't complain once because he didn't get a starting spot. I just think that the Thunder have a nice infrastructure in place with their hierarchy of players, with their coaching staff, I think are really good with players' personalities. And just that you have Russ and Paul are there and it's just funny because Schroeder has always wanted to model his game after Russ. And if you go and just compare their stats side by side, kind of their nitty gritty stats, it's like, whoa, like he really did. <laughs> like he's doing that. <laughs> he's basically Russell Westbrook light. And then uh, Luawu has talked about how his favorite player is Paul George. And so it's just kind of funny that that was the trade that they made was their two superstars have these two young guys that have modeled their games after these guys. And obviously uh, Jason Waterfalls TLC has a long way to go, but it's uh, it's just interesting. Yeah, and last thing on, on Schroeder, um, he may want to be uh, again a starting point guard eventually in his career. Sure, but I think he can realize that if he plays a role for one year or two in a contender while being one of the best. Um, off the bench, like even competing for a, a six man of the year, then in I, as early as next year or in two years, he can be off of another team. Yeah. Uh, being again a leading point guard with another experience with a winning team, and and so I think that he can view this as an opportunity to show that the like the situation in Atlanta was not good and not just because of him. Like they were actually trying to lose. Like it's it's not a secret, right. and and so that that can be an occasion for him to an opportunity for him to to show um, other franchise that he he was in a bad situation. And yes, he didn't help himself, but he can do that now in a um, stronger envir- environment. Mm-hmm. And on TLC, um, I basically did. I chart all these shots uh, for a project with uh, Draft Express uh, two years ago. And like to me, it didn't look bad. 
the percentages Mega Leagues were okay, but I think the mechanics is kind of good. It's not like Robertson like uh, Robertson like. It's 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 compact. Is kind of okay free throw free throw shooter. So there there are chances that in um with a with a role uh, and with passers in the first and the second unit, he can be better at it. I don't know when, uh, but it's a, it's a good bet. I mean, it's almost inexpensive. Yeah. He's, he's on a rookie scale deal and that's a value to have on your roster. Mm-hmm. He's a wing. He was in and out of the lineup for the Sixers, but if he can figure it out behind Paul George, I, I think that he could play and there's no, guaranteed minutes for anyone besides Robertson and Paul George on the wing, right? Like who else has mm-hmm. guaranteed minutes? I don't think that any of these dudes do. I mean, probably the closest to it for me is probably Ferguson because I do yeah. think that this team loves him. And so beyond that, I think that, and I, I'm calling him Jason Waterfalls. I need to find, and I keep forgetting every time I start a podcast, there's this guy that made that name up. And I think it's so funny do you, under, do you understand the reference? No. No, you have to explain to me. Okay. Let me see if I can unpack this. So there's this band uh, called TLC, and they used to sing this song called Chasing Waterfalls. And so okay. Jason Waterfalls is a play on Chasing Waterfalls. And so... Okay. Oh, no. The, the only part that I missed was the was the band. Now that you tell me about the band, I... Yes. I understand. And so I really only want to to call him Jason Waterfalls because it's hilarious. But I think he has a real shot to play on this team this season because I think that he has the length and athleticism that the Thunder like. I think they want to... And I think the Billy will try him out. Uh, you know, he, oh, yeah. he gave Singler plenty of chances through the years. And there's just no question in my mind that he's going to play him. And I think they're, they need a backup small forward and a guy that can give Paul George a breather kind of like Houston did in spots last year. And I think that they're going to let him do that. And I think that, you know, I don't know if he'll work out or not, but I think that he has all the tools there uh, to, to be a productive NBA player. Yeah. And if you look at the shooting numbers, he improved from season one to season two. Granted he played less and like the overall effectiveness is actually uh has actually dropped but if you look just at the three um he improved uh, from season one to season two so there are um, reasons to believe that he can actually be uh, a decent shooter i mean it was like 30 33.5 percent last season which is like if he if he can play defense it's miles ahead of the percentage that ray has and so I think that he, he, if he can establish himself as a 35, 36% shooter with that body and with the, with the athleticism that he has, he can be uh, actually a, a decent option from the bench. Yeah. And if that happens, this trade is just an absolute slam dunk to get. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, Mello, it just wasn't going to work out in OKC with Mello. It just wasn't. I, I think that overall, I think if you look at it, the Thunder probably make the trade again. And it's for a few reasons. I think that you look at it and say, you know, I overall the trade was a, the Mellow trade was a failure on the court. But just the fact that Carmelo Anthony wages no trade clause to come to Oklahoma City, that's something I just didn't think would happen. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal. And I think the way that the Thunder have been given an opportunity to, 
to deal with another superstar player in a good manner like they did with Mello ending this relationship and letting him go on to Houston, which is where he's going to sign. And I think that that is going to bode well for the Thunder. That Mello, I don't know if he'll have anything bad to say about OKC. I'd be surprised if he did. Uh, but if he goes forward and says, you know, what? I have all the respect in the world for the Thunder. I hate that it didn't work out with these guys, but you know, they, they got me where I wanted to go and I really respect them for that. Like they're, they're just, they're just, uh, getting more goodwill as they continue to move on. Even though on the court, it may have been a failure. This may be a better outcome than having to pay Doug McDermott and having a scanner on your team. I think that you'd rather have TLC and you'd rather have Schroeder on your team than those guys. And so I think that ultimately it works out. You give up the first round pick, which is not ideal, but if TLC works out, then I mean, it's like basically you you used your pick on him and it's, I think that'll end up being a fine deal. And you know, if you're picking in the twenties anyways, you're, you're taking a gamble on somebody like that anyways. So I think that getting Diallo and TLC and Burton and all these guys, I think that's basically kind of their way of getting picks for the future and getting kind of a bite at the apple again for, for the foreseeable future on wings. And I just, I just really commend Sam Presti for the job that he's done because it, it looked like two summers ago, I was talking to Brett Dawson the day of the Paul George trade and you have this big contract for Victor Oladipo. You have Ennis Canner still on your roster. You have Russell who just won the MVP and that's awesome. But you just kind of looked around and you're like, Oh man, like I just don't see a path to just this being a, a good slash great team. Like they're going to be clawing for the playoffs every year. Yeah. And so to turn this team into what he has is just, it's, it's kind of, it's unbelievable really. Yeah, it is. And I know that all people had crazy, uh, a crazy season, crazy good season. Um, but still he was playing the East, which yeah. makes a difference. So, uh, he in in an side probably his season was better than the one that Paul George had, uh, but say that like you don't know that in uh, August and September of la- of two seasons ago, like uh, um, last September, and so who knows if Russ decides to tie basically his whole career or well the the good part of it to OKC. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. was not granted, and. As Bontemps, uh, Tim Bontemps um, wrote today, and I suggest you to read that article, uh, the Melo trade was also about this. Like to show to Paul George and to Russ, we want this to to work. Yeah. Like you want to recruit a player, do it, we will, we will pay for it. Yeah. And, and they paid. They paid big. And they will pay more money this season. They were prepared to do so. They were willing to do so. And like, if you are a star player, you see those things. Yeah. You see that Presley will not lose time with Melo or, like, just stretch him uh, without getting anything because you know that, that, that this franchise and this front office is committed to make the most out of this. And so I think that the Melo trade was more about this than... Well, it was also about the potential of that. We we, we always said it, it raises the ceiling, it lowers the floor. Turns out on the court, it was the letter. On the on the team, it was the the former though. It raises the ceiling of this team uh, as a whole because now we have 
a different team uh, with no Melo, but with George signed for three seasons. I don't know if that happens without a Melo being a full season here in OKC. I'd like to thank our newest sponsor, Early Upgrade, for sponsoring today's show. Early Upgrade is a nationwide business, been around for nine years, very trustworthy, and they're aimed at larger businesses. So we're talking to you if you're a manager or if you own a large business and you're looking to upgrade your mobile devices for your whole business or tablets. These are your guys, earlyupgrade.com. They're able to give the highest value because they do a lot of work in-house. And after Early Upgrade receives your old devices, they will get you your new ones very quickly. All devices have trade-in value, even if they're not functional. And they are R2 certified, so you know that they're going to be recycling these devices responsibly. And this is a huge plus. Their owner is a huge Thunder fan. So you know that they're going to be easy to deal with. So please go check out the people at earlyupgrade.com and support the people that support Down to Dunk. It's inevitable. Carmelo Anthony is going to be playing for the Houston Rockets next year. And this is something that everyone thought would happen last season, that Melo Mm -hmm. would be on the Rockets. They'd make some kind of trade and they couldn't get it done basically because no one wants Ryan Anderson's contract. And so now they get a second chance to have Melo on their team. He's going to sign for the minimum. It's like $2.4 million. And so what are your what are your thoughts on him joining the Houston Rockets? How much does he help this team? Well, um we we know that the effectiveness of Melo depends greatly on A is uh, shape and B um probably um inverse like inverse the reverse the order uh, and B is shooting. Yeah. We know that he will not be effective in defense. Um the point is can he get to that 40, 42% from three uh, percentage. If he can do that, and like Houston can generate good shots. Not that Melo had bad looks uh, in OKC, um, but he will get the same looks and probably um, uh, like in, like he will shoot a lot of corner trees for, um, for Houston. And so he can be effective for them. I don't know um, if that is just a regular season thing or uh, it can extend to the playoffs because I like the problem against Utah was real. It was not able to guard anyone mm-hmm. on that side of the court. And so I think that Houston can be again a 56, 57, 58 uh, win teams, maybe even 60 if Melo uh, rediscovers his, um, uh, his shooting. Um, but then, like coming playoffs time, if they go against, say, Utah again, um, I think Melo causes problems. And yes, you can play PJ Tucker, but. Like you are relying on Ennis and probably Gerald Green to play big minutes. Yeah. Uh, they will surely try to make a move um, coming February and trying to add some other guy. But you are talking again of buyout guys. Mm-hmm. And if they are buying, if they are bought out, it means that they are not as good as as you may think they are. And so I don't know. Um, it's it's tricky because. Chris Paul is a great point guard. Like, he's an awesome passer. Probably one of the best passers in the league. Probably better than Russell Westbrook. And James James Harden is really close in terms of passing accuracy. So, 
it's it's not out of the um, range of outcome that Melo has um, a very good offensive season. But that, to me, doesn't raise the ceiling that they have in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he'll be better for Houston. I do. But you're right. The, the issues are going to remain. He'll be better because I think he'll shoot the ball a little bit better. And I, mm-hmm. I think this it's kind of interesting. You said he'd shoot more corner threes. He's never taken more than 17% of his three-point shots from the corner. And I, I just, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll believe it when I see it, if he'll park in the corner. You know what I mean? Because like Ariza last year took almost 40% of his shots from the corner. And Melo yeah. took like eleven from the corner. Yeah, I just I'm cu- I'm counting on like Chris Paul barking at him like every every second mm-hmm. when he's on the. I mean, with Houston, here's Ariza from the corners. The percentage. So this is the percentage of his three point shots that came from the corner: thirty seven percent, forty one percent, thirty five, thirty nine percent from the corner. Melo, like I said, seventeen percent is the very highest, and that was w- with Denver a long time ago. And so may, maybe yeah. he will, maybe he'll park himself in the corner and just wait for shots. But we know that's just not really his style. He likes to be involved in the actions. He likes to, you know, set a screen and slip it and then leak out to just right before the three point line and take a shot. That's his comfort zone. Is that long range too? It really is. It's his comfort zone. That's why he didn't park in the corner. And that's why he didn't yeah. pop out to three is because he that's what he's done for 15 years as an NBA player and as a Hall of Famer. And so maybe he'll change his game for Houston, but I'm I'm in the I'll believe it when I see it mode with with Melo there. Uh but maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll just park himself there, but I that seemed like an ideal role for him for the Thunder too, but he just wouldn't do it. He just never took corner threes basically. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, to me, there is a different relationship between him and Chris Paul um, compared to the one that he had with Russ. And that can play a role. I don't know how big it is, but that can uh, swing a couple of things. Uh, for example, if he plays with LeBron, I I am almost sure if he plays the shot that LeBron wants. Um, with, with Chris Paul, it's likely that he will try to take more good shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Chris Paul is really good at generating good shots. Not that, not that Russell can't, but I I don't think that you'd find many people that would say that Russell is better at setting up guys than Chris Paul is. Chris Paul is just one of the best point guards ever. And so, but Russell does create, he created a ton of open shots for Melo last year and he just didn't hit enough of them. And so I, we'll see i don't think that ultimately he's going to be very helpful come playoff time just because this western conference is going to be insane and the team that you play in the first round is going to be really good and if you have a weak link on your roster we saw what happened when they had a weak link on their roster last year they didn't play him they didn't play ryan anderson ryan anderson was really good for them last year in the regular season he shot the ball really well and he didn't play. And so I just wonder if you can get to that point. And, you know, they don't have a choice this time around. Trevor Reese is gone and Bob Mute is gone. I just, I mean, they're going to have to really heavily rely on Joe Green and James Ennis to be their wings because 
uh, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. And, and maybe, maybe Melo's going to come in and be Ryan Anderson for them because Ryan Anderson didn't shoot a ton of corner threes for them. Hmm. Um, he shot, but it was, it was much, much better, uh, than, than Melo in terms of shooting. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, you have to count that. Yeah. Like 39% from three and 40% from the corners when he did take shots from the corners, but he took 11% about the same as Melo from the corners. And so maybe he slots in at the power forward and, and does what, you know, Anderson did for them. But then you have Anderson and Mello on the team. I, I don't know. I, I'm very skeptical as, as every Oklahoma city fan that watched him play. What was it? 80, seven 88 times last year 88 times last year i'm very skeptical i just don't know that he's that he can be helpful at this point which is okay he's he's an aging player there's eight guys that played in the 2000 that are from the 2003 draft that played last year and he was one of them and it's just kind of an accomplishment in and of itself to do that and i think that he kind of suffers a little bit because the guy one of those eight is lebron james who still happens to be the best player in the nba but man that's an it's an outlier to be the age of LeBron and to be the best player in the world. It's just a complete outlier, and he he is the outlier uh, of a yep. basketball player. But I think Melo maybe suffers a little bit from it because most guys at Melo's age decline and just aren't as good anymore and can't defend. And in this NBA, man, it's good. It's just tough. He just he could not be on the floor. I mean, they Jeremy Grant was easily better than Melo the second half of the season it just wasn't even wasn't even a conversation anymore you would almost be ridiculed if you would try to suggest the opposite and so it's a it's a weird spot for houston i know it gets him another star it's exciting if you're houston you get him and here's the big difference is that you get mellow on the minimum and you know that's there's value there where the thunder had him at 28 million no value there if that at 2.4 million yeah that's valuable. He's he is a value contract on the minimum, and he's a guy that is viewed. You probably view him in a different light on the minimum on your team, and so you know, good good for him to go to a situation that he wants to. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think if the Thunder and Rockets played in the playoffs, I think the Thunder will be smiling from ear to ear that Melo's on their team instead of on the Thunder. Yeah, um, and to be honest, the Rockets. Uh, like things could have been much worse for them uh, because like it, it's almost lucky that Chicago decide not to offer for Clint Capella. Um, yeah. Like even like Sacramento could offer, well, Sacramento like roster wise couldn't, uh, sure. but there were places like Atlanta, like they could have offered 20 to, um, to Capella and or like, Dallas. You, I don't know why Dallas didn't. I know they wanted DeAndre, but why wouldn't you just see if you can get Clint Capella first? Yeah, I don't know that. Probably because DeAndre said yes, and they really liked him. Yeah. Uh, but but I I don't know why. I mean, if you want, if you have like twenty four millions, like try to offer for him, mm-hmm. and if he goes badly, who cares? Like there are like plenty of centers uh, you can you can uh, call atlanta and say well can you give me that one for one season right yeah for free probably mm-hmm. or for a like bad bad first round like a um, second rounder or so and so yeah i mean 
they have been lucky because they will probably end up paying him between 18 and 21 per season. Yeah. And like, it's a gift uh, from other teams that they, um, well, they don't need. Yeah. And yeah, it's, and a lot of this is where luck falls into it. I think they got really unlucky that they, that Ariza left and that Mute left. And we don't really know all the mechanics behind that, how that happened, why that happened. Did Houston let them go? Yeah. Did they want to leave? I mean, I, I think those stories will probably come out as training camp starts. But as of now, we just don't really know. Uh, it it seems very strange that they let Ariza yeah. go and that they let Mute go, who are both instrumental to them having the best record in the NBA last year. Mm-hmm. And then like you fill those spots with James Ennis and Carmelo Anthony. I mean, on the surface, it looks really bad and it looks like they downgraded themselves to being in kind of the, cause I, I think before last se- like with their roster, if they would have kept it the same and kind of run it back, I think that there's clearly a tier of warriors and then the rockets and then you have like this clump of Utah, Oklahoma City, Denver, like these groups, like who's going to be the best? Like, I don't really know. Like no, no one was really that much better than the other last season. And so now I kind of feel like Houston's with that group. And yeah, it can be. It can be. So it's a, a you know, wings that can defend are so valuable. And I just don't know if they do they have one anymore? I don't know. Cause it seems like they had a lot last year and now, you know, to lose two of them. And I don't know if James Ennis can be that guy. Maybe he can, maybe they found another guy on the minimum that can do it. That's very possible. But, um, I've remained skeptical. Yeah. If they, if they are able to replicate what they had, uh, with Melo and Ennis, uh, that's, that's a crazy good coaching and front office job. Mm-hmm. And so if they, if they win 60 again, props to Mori, uh, yeah. and to, and to their, their staff, because it's not easy to do. Like it's not easy to, to, to build up a defense, um, with Melo, uh, on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a job that they have on their hands. It's not easy. I mean, no. and, and like, like let us, re- um, uh, stop for a second and remember, OKC made it work. They did. Like, like yeah. the, the starting unit with Melo and um, uh, moving around Robertson and Paul George finally shooting trees like he should uh, worked for, uh, I would say, two months. Mm-hmm. And they were rolling. And probably we are talking, we're discussing a completely different story today if Detroit doesn't happen. Yeah, that... That, so, so you can do that. That is a good point. That maybe it, maybe it would have worked out with Mello. Um, but I know that Clint Capella's job just got a lot harder. Oh, um, that, that, that for sure. That, that, is, so, that is a fair statement. I think, and I also, I don't know, I just kind of expect Stephen Adams to have a big year. Just because I think that he'll have a lot less to think about with, yeah. you know, Patterson or Grant out there. And with Robertson back out there, which... It's hard to say that he's going to be there from the start of the season. They keep saying it and they're giving us that expectation, but it's, I'll believe it when I see it 
kind of thing and believe it when I see it. How how good he is he is he back to where he was? Is he fifty percent, sixty percent? I don't know what he'll be when the season starts, but uh, I think that even even so, if you get like eighty ninety percent of Robertson, I still think that it makes Steven uh, probably be able to breathe a lot more easy. He doesn't have to cover for as many people on that end, but. Uh, I, I think the Slender team is well poised to have a good season. I think we've talked about this. They have an identity now. They're going to move into the season and really know what they want to do on the court, and they're going to do it for 48 minutes, and I think that that uh, is really impactful. That's what Houston did last year. They played the same way for 48 minutes, exactly. and exactly. that is very, very helpful because when the, when Russell was off the court, they had to change their identity because they couldn't, can't play like that. Now you have yeah. Schroeder, who is probably the closest thing to a Russell Westbrook-ish point guard. And so I think it's it's a good fit. I think it's going to be a really fun season. Uh, McKelly, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. We can follow your stuff at chart underscore side. Uh, please follow him. He's great. Really smart. I know that he's made all of you guys a lot smarter. Uh, so... I will be having, not myself, my wife will be having a baby here this week. I don't know what day yet, uh, so it'll be sometime this week. It's, it's, it'll be a little little surprise. We're having another baby boy. And so there will be some gaps, but McKellie is going to help out uh, with those. And we have some special guests coming on during this time. So you guys won't miss any podcasts, but just be aware that there will be uh, some differences in the podcasting coming soon but uh we'll keep everything rolling without me so i hope you guys have a great day we will talk to you guys again wednesday with maybe me maybe not but uh al baby cakes will be there for sure and uh we'll talk to you guys then